Yo. What's what going on? What's up, man? Nah, much, man. Getting uh, getting situated, getting right. Call me Jerry Jones. I got the Johnny Walker blue tonight. Oh, hey, Uh-oh. I rhymed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely Jerry Jones. You rhyming out on the mic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Bro, Coolio. He been rhyming. He been, he been rhyming too much. I kind of ain't been liking that. He been rhyming a little too much. Jerry, been, yeah, yeah. He been rhyming too much, so I don't want him rapping and rhyming nothing because he like running that that jaw. But it is he's, what it he's is. He's got to break out a little gangster's paradise for us in honor of Coolio, right? Man, that dog, man, that, that, that dude, one, that one hits me hard. Man, like I said, that dude, bro, it, I. I like he can't help himself. You feel me? Like it's to the point now he just can't help himself. Like that's just crazy. Like this dude cannot. He gonna be a hundred and still be trying to talk. Oh, you talking Jerry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, Jerry. Oh man. So did you see the news on Coolio? No, I didn't. Coolio died. What? Yeah, fifty nine. That news broke like an hour ago, I think. Damn. Yep. That one hits hard that's, for me. That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy, but it's crazy. Right, you, right. You, here, here's the thing. You know why it's crazy, DDP? This is the funny thing why I say it's crazy. It's not crazy at all because just a human being like me and you. Right, right. Right. And the age, it's not crazy on the age, but it's just like because he's in the limelight and, you mm-hmm. know, you saw him and he rapped and. It's just like always when you see a public figure, shout out to everybody in the chat. It's just wow, but dang. Hey, I gotta shout this out. Hey, babe, Coolio just died. Coolio just died. No way. Yep. Are you serious? Yep. Yeah, they're still figuring it out, but I think they, I, I read they suspect cardiac arrest. So cardiac arrest? That's what they suspect. Obviously, they haven't done an autopsy yet. It was just announced earlier. Now I'm gonna tell you this right now. I hate to hear that he that he passed. I hate hearing that. But yep. if he died of normal things, I feel good because so many rappers or entertainers mm-hmm. you hear about the other stuff that they drag him through the mud with the extra stuff that may have happened. Oh, he died, yeah. but he was high on cocaine, or he did this, or you know what I mean. I yep. hope that this was just a regular death, uh, you know, and then we can just end it and then we just remember the good stuff instead of running the person through the mud uh, because of what you may have heard when they pass. You know what I'm saying? I, right. I just don't like that. I just feel like remember the good stuff about the person when they pass. Don't bring out bad things about them You yeah. know, when they die. I just don't like when they do that. So hopefully all that, you know, doesn't happen with him. 59. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely sucks. That that one, that one hits hard for me. Um, I swear, it was like, I don't know, a week or so ago that I was legitimately uh, blasting Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> like that, that one, uh, that's that was definitely a jam for sure. Yeah, and and he had. I mean, I remember him just in so many other things. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he 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 was a, a figure with beyond that. Like he did a lot of other things beyond that. And, and you know, I like Coolio. He just had a really good, you know, he had a really good vibe. And sh- like I said, shout out to everybody in the vibe. The Ninja Life's crazy. Eric Matt, Tyrone Church, Craig English, Aaron Irvin Simmons. Come on in the building. I didn't mean to cut you off, DDP. I just okay. give a shout out to everybody out there. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, like I said, R.I.P. Man. 
it's a lot of our entertainers uh ddp that we that we heard you know mm -hmm. um that are just passing you're just like dang he died dang he died dang yep. and it's like and they're in their 40s and 50s you feel me it's like my age and right, they're right. gone so i look at it like man let me count my blessings i'm still here yeah like uh gangsta's paradise he was what 23 when that came out like i think that's like literally something he says in the song like i'm 23 now way things are going basically like well i see 24 i don't know i don't remember the exact thing off the top of my head but yeah um that that's a tough one yeah uh, uh let's see well that is not our normal upbeat crosstalk is it <laughs> <laughs> but hey it is what it is and we're gonna get back here in, in a good positive mode you feel me Seculio uh, with johnny man, walker blue out. good stuff yeah i know man Shout out to him. Give him the give him pour pour a lot little little Johnny Walker for me, big dog. I can't pour it on my desk, but I'll I'll, I'll take a swig. <laughs> good, there you go. Oh, that was a good swig. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that one. Nice All and right. warm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. So, other, uh, I guess, good news for me finally is it seems that my car odyssey has finally come to an end. Not mine. No, not yours. That's... No, so but let's listen to your positively. All right, all right. Because remember, this is positively relentless. So tell yes. me about positively. Well, relentless. let me let me start by saying that I was relentless and on their ass because they kept telling <laughs> me for like a week that the car was going to be ready tomorrow, going to be ready tomorrow, going to be ready tomorrow. It was right. always, always, always something. Um, it finally, ended up being something where they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, the engine is fixed. We like we replaced the engine and all that covered by the extended warranty. Covered. That's great." Woo, but they're like great. oh yeah that saved me thousands of dollars that was awesome but uh they're like but like when you disconnect the engine the the ac like the freon like drains out and so it has to be refilled i'm like all right cool so it recharged the the ac the freon and they're like yeah our uh, our machine that does that broke so we've sent your car to another service center and i was like what there's another service center around here like for this where they're like oh no that's like in like i forget what they said i looked it up it was like almost an hour away i was like so you my car's not going to be ready today because the ac doesn't work now and you sent my car an hour away without telling me and they're like yeah it'll be ready tomorrow i was like don't don't tell me tomorrow don't tell me tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my goodness fair 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 enough they did get it situated uh by like 5 30 but mm -hmm. uh yeah after like two two and a half months of like not having my car not having to worry about it breaking down i actually have a working car again so that's that's pretty sweet i'm i'm happy about that at least the 10 15 minutes i was able to kind of drive it around see how it was feeling it felt felt good so i'm feeling good about that i i know your situation's a bit more of a extended odyssey even still yeah it's it's a little bit odyssey yes steve lumpton coolio passed um but yeah mine's a little bit odyssey but it's it's not bleak it's just you know just got to find the right thing um but in your situation you might have had to go through all that but the big silver lining out of all that was i heard warranty yep covered yep that's the thing i heard more than anything else was warranty and covered so my thing was if it was me like you are probably in your eyes mm -hmm. hey you know what i hate that this is happening 
but warranty covered. I'll deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was the absolute game changer. Cause if I didn't have the warranty, I was probably going to just junk the thing and just try to move into the next thing. Cause I'm not sinking another several thousand dollars into a brand new engine. If there's right. no warranty or anything. Right. Eric Mack, Keenan and Kel theme song was my jam as a kid that that was absolutely uh, a banger for me i loved keenan and kel um yeah man that that actually escaped me for a moment like he said that and i was like that is him yeah okay yeah 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 now now that i got that nostalgia trip yeah Yeah, right 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 he messed up the trip but that's all right you brought him you took you threw him a loop but he's coming back now because what are we going to talk about first? We're going to talk about Mavericks. We're going to talk about yeah, 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 yeah. So which uh, one to talk about? Let's let's talk a little bit of Mavericks here. So okay. now, uh, all Maver- y'all people, hold up before you say that. All yeah. y'all people here, remember on Wednesdays this is Mavericks Cowboys. So don't leave me like ah blah blah blah. Hey, it's good. We're talking basketball, NBA, good stuff. So yeah, Mavericks, Cowboys. Go ahead, DDP. So Mavericks had uh, their media day, I think yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple things came out of this of interest. You obviously, this is the chance for team access to the media for the first time and everything. And you kind of get some of the thoughts. Jason Kidd seems to wear all of this pretty well on his sleeve, pretty straightforward with it, telling you things like last year he telegraphed uh, who the starters were going to be. And he talked about the leadership council, which was kind of a hilariously failed thing last year because Hardaway missed most of the year and KP was a shell of himself who got traded midseason. So the leadership council kind of was just down to Luca by the end. But kid this time talking about it, it, it sounds like the main things that are moving forward, the plan, Christian Wood will come off the bench. He will be the Mavericks sixth man. That's not a permanent thing. Again, Jalen Brunson last year, did not start the year as a starter. He moved in in January, really because of a lucky break. Like that, you think about his meteoric rise to the contract he got, absolute meteoric rise because he didn't become a full-time starter until January. And it was because the team was just blasted, I guess December, but it was when it happened. But January was when he officially became a starter. Um, The team just got blasted with uh, health and safety protocols and had guys signed off the street, right? They were bringing in Isaiah Thomas and guys like that just for like a game, two games, whatever, just to kind of fill a playable roster for a little bit. And Jalen Brunson, for most of that time, was able to be available and healthy, and that allowed him to secure that position where suddenly he became a full-time starter and then... By the end of the summer, signs a hundred million dollar deal uh, to go to New York and try and be like the centerpiece of their build. So things are fluid is is the main thing I'm saying here. For now, Christian Wood's going to come off the bench as the sixth man. I think the reason he might like that, not that he loves the bench, but as the sixth man, you're kind of like the the energizer, like the, the scoring option off the bench. You are the focal point coming off the bench and you're going to play a lot more with both units, not just somewhere in the in the fold where you play mostly with the second unit he's going to get a lot of burn with pretty much the full scope of guys a lot with the starters and i think that'll serve him well especially coming off the bench he's going to be able to get mismatches against the other team's bench players and he's going to get opportunities um to come in fresh when other guys have already kind of gotten a little burn in so that's going to be huge for him uh luca talking on jalen brunson specifically 
basically was saying, you know, it, it's a big loss. Like Jalen was a fantastic player, but he pointed a lot of a lot of confidence in Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm trying to pull up the full quote here. I took a shot of it here somewhere. Ah, oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, so on losing Brunson to New York, Luca said, "Don't forget about Spencer Dinwiddie." Here's the exact quote. Obviously, we can't replace Jalen Brunson. He was an amazing player, an amazing guy. But I think Spencer is really going to have a bigger role this year, and I think he can do it. He has the abilities to do it. So Luca putting a huge vote of confidence for Spencer Dinwiddie. And Dinwiddie is an interesting prospect because he is a little bit overlooked in everything. The, the postseason run and the inconsistency for him really soured a lot of people on him quickly. But if you look at what his run was in those 23 regular season games, the dude was phenomenal. Like, and I would say 19 or 20 of those 23 games, he was fantastic. Probably the Mavericks' second best player in those games to the extent where we were saying like, yeah, he's Jalen Brunson insurance. But then Brunson kind of soared. His stock continued to soar in the postseason and Dinwiddie's dropped a bit. And now suddenly people are like, ah, oh, Dinwiddie's not going to be good enough to, to fill the void of Jalen. In terms of the, the scoring acumen and things like that, he's going to bring to the table and a relative playmaking ability. I think he can fill a lot of it. It's not like defensively they're either of them are exactly standouts, but Jalen was certainly not a great defender. He was on his best day, an average defender. So I think you can replace a lot of that. And I think especially with the added scoring punch, uh, of Christian Wood, I think you're absolutely capable of replacing that production that Jalen brought in. It's just to me, do you have a guy who can consistently, you know, run the offense as that secondary ball handler and still create and be consistent? Because that's what they found last year. Once they had the three guys, essentially the three ball handlers, and when Brunson really took off, they need that still. It can't all be Luca. So if Dinwiddie can step in and be consistent, great. That'll take this team a long way. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, other quick notes here. JaVale McGee asked about basically why he chose Dallas. Pretty much said what we would expect. Yeah, I had a seven-game sample size of watching Luka Doncic, and I was sold. Makes sense. I mean, JaVale coming from Phoenix... Obviously, generational point guard in Chris Paul, future Hall of Famer, probably. Uh, that's, you know, he's he's used to playing with guys that set him up. But I think it's different to look at what Phoenix is, especially where they stood at the end of last season versus Dallas in terms of that. Like, it makes much more sense for JaVale at his stage of his career to go to Dallas with a bigger role, a starting role, and playing with Luka and where their ceiling looks like it is relative to Phoenix. Phoenix might only have a year, maybe two. You, you hear DeAndre Ayton talking at media day. He doesn't look like he even wants to be there. He hadn't even talked with Monty Williams since game seven of that series last year, he said. Dude does not want to be there. Mm -hmm. So as much as they're trying to say like, oh, run it back. It's like, no, nah, man, you're going to have him a year and you're going to trade him and try and get something in return for him. That's all, that, that's all that's happening with DeAndre Ayton. There's no chance. No chance he stays there long term. But JaVale makes sense to come to Dallas and he basically says like if I needed any convincing it, it was just watching Luca in that series and Luca was straight up assassin in that series like tore them apart especially once Phoenix took the 3-2 lead that's the Luca talking trash everybody want to talk when they're up and then he eviscerates in the next two games eviscerates 
not just Devin Booker, but Chris Paul by himself basically outproduces both of them. And the Mavericks just destroy Phoenix in, uh, in that Game 7 beatdown that is still satisfying every time I, I look back at it or see highlights from it. Just uh, tremendous stuff there. Uh, and then Maxi Kleba, you know, signed a three-year extension. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. I think when we were going to talk about it, it ended up being a show we postponed or something. Uh, he signed a three-year extension. I'm a little reluctant about that because he'll be 35 when it's wrapping up, and I already feel like we're seeing kind of a physical decline, so I am worried about that. But I will say, at media day, he looks to be in the best shape I've ever seen him in. Like, he's not just slim. He's like, he's cut. He's jacked. He looks legitimately built out, and he said he took off the summer from any international play, and I think that's good for especially a guy that's had back issues, and some some kind of issues along those lines. I think that's good that he actually gave his body rest and worked on kind of rebuilding his body to be more resilient. Whether that plays out, I don't know. But that was a, a basic observation I had of him that was at least encouraging. Okay. All right. So listen to everything you were saying, kind of bouncing off of that. Uh, first of all, um, I'm, I'm kind of warmed up to the idea of Christian Wood coming off the bench. Uh, because of the simple fact that you are going to need that firepower. And we saw that lacking kind of in the series, um, in the playoffs, that they were lacking the firepower when it was coming off the bench in the yeah. playoffs last year. Um, so, and just like you said, just because you're not starting doesn't mean you don't finish. And you're probably going to get significant minutes at the spot, uh, multiple spots on the team. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a definitely okay thing. And, and like Christian Wood should look at it like this is not like a, a slight against you. This is where we want to be able to really maximize your abilities. Mm -hmm. And I think his abilities will be maximized with this particular team coming off the bench because, like you said, this is going to be firepower. He can be kind of a go-to guy. He can really clean up boards. He can really score on the inside. So really that double-double can really marinate. And it's not like he's going to be not going to be playing with Luka and those guys anyway. So right. I think that, you know, I think it's a good idea, um, you know, and then I feel like, you know, just like we were talking about Jason Kidd, they're just going to kind of see how it goes. Maybe start out with it, see yeah. how it works in the very beginning. If it's really working, roll with it. If it might be a little things that are not, uh, you know, working, I think they'll mix and match because we were talking about already with the ja JaVel McGee thing that him possibly being a starter. Well, you can have that mix and match with him and Dwight Powell. I think mm -hmm. they're going to go back and forth with that, kind of see how those, you know, how it vibes with Luca, and kind of roll with it. So I think that's going to be an experiment itself, like who's going to be starting uh, yeah. between the center position. So I think uh, it's a good thing with Christian Wood coming off the bench, and I think he'll be a better player because of it, uh, because they'll be, exploit, be able to split a lot of matchups uh, because you're not going to be seeing a lot of guys coming off in the second team yeah. like Christian Wood, and he can really exploit that. Oh, and then sure. when you were talking about, um, sorry, and then when you were talking about um, the Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson, yeah. I heard you know what Lucas said about you know Jalen Brunson said you know it, it, you know it's gonna be tough, but you can replace Jalen Brunson. He's a good player, but he's not a player that you can't replace in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So he can be replaced. And I think with the Spencer Dinwiddie thing, he got traded in the kind of the midseason. Got you know the Mavericks picked him up toward the end of the season, right? Yeah, right. So at the now. Deadline. Right, right at the deadline. So, you know, maybe I feel like he was trying to force things, you know, trying to blend, you know, try to show his worth. And when you try to do that as a basketball player, 
it's not going to take away from your skills, but you'll just be missing shots because you're really just kind of in your head. You're just trying to make plays. Mm -hmm. And I think now that you have a full offseason with the team, you're with the squad, you know your worth, what you're doing. Jalen Brunson is gone, so now you're going to be heavily counted on. And you have, uh, like I said, an offseason with the team. That does right. good because you didn't have the offseason with the team before. You were just kind of traded in with the team, and you just had to make it work. Now you got you're familiar with the team, you're familiar with Luca, you're familiar with the coaching staff. So I think it's gonna be we won't see what we saw last year out of Dinwiddie. I think we'll see a better player in Dinwiddie because you know we saw him working out, we saw him going hard, training with uh the Kevin Durant's, those guys. So I think he's gonna be good and ready because he's got the off season to be able to work with guys, blend, gel, all that good stuff. So yeah. I'm I'm saying good things with him, um, you know, going forward with that. And, uh, you know, just bouncing off with the JaVale McGee thing when he was talking about Luka. I mean, mm -hmm. you got a player um, in Luka. Like I said, why wouldn't you be sold? And considering what his role was going to be, it could be a good role with him um, because rebounding, blocking shots, you're going to catch plenty alley-oops because yeah. uh, Luka loves to throw those up. So, and we know JaVale likes to go get those. And uh, I think that'll be a good tandem once they kind of figure out how they want to do that. Um, so it just makes more makes sense. So we'll kind of see how it all plays out. Um, but I like those things that we were talking about going forward, and we'll just kind of see how it happens and how it forms when the regular yeah. season starts. The the Jason Kidd quote specifically on Christian Wood's role. Uh, here it is. He says, "We'll get to talking about Christian Wood's role as we go forward, but I've never coached him. I want to see what he's capable of. Then we'll make a decision on where he's going to play. But right now, he will not start." The success we've had, we've played small. He went on to say, I think Christian Wood said it yesterday that he's excited to win. Uh, so if you're talking about winning, you got to sometimes sacrifice the great player sacrifice for him. It's just a matter of understanding what his role is and what we're going to ask him to do. So I think he's pretty heavily leaning towards like, yeah, we're, we're envisioning the six man thing. We won't say definitively like that's all you are, because like if you if you play above and beyond, then yes, we're going to be willing to make adjustments. So obviously, you see Jalen Brunson for that, right? Um, but that's that seems pretty firm where they're envisioning him right now. Uh, as for, you mentioned Dwight Powell. He, interestingly, circling back to that leadership council thing, he's now been elevated into that rat, uh, status as well. So now the quote-unquote leadership council is Luca, still Tim Hardaway Jr., and uh, Dwight Powell. So... Make of that what you will. He's been here forever. Whatever. I get it. He is still penciled in as the starting center. Is uh, Sorry. Um, JaVale McGee is the starting center. So I think Powell is your four. And off the bench, your front court is uh, Christian Wood and Maxie. That's a hell of a front court off the bench. I'll say that much, especially if Maxie's actually hitting his shots. I do like that a lot. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the the kind of season Christian Wood can put together because with his three point shot, uh, the the monster dunks he's going to be able to bring to the to the mix. Yeah, I think it's very possible he averages twenty a game off the bench and is a very serious contender, if not the winner of the six man award this year. Like I I think if that's the role they're going to have him in, I think he can excel at such a level that he's going to um, that he's going to make that kind of noise. 
and he'll be helped out as well because Jason Kidd says Tyson Chandler has taken on a bigger role with the Mavericks this year. He's going, he's agreed to help the the Mavericks big men as well as the Texas legend big. So I don't know what his official role is. He's not like quote unquote on the coaching staff, but he's working with the Mavericks more closely this year than he did last year where he kind of was around early on, but then kind of drifted away. It sounds like he's going to be much more consistent in uh, the development of these guys. So love that, especially for a guy like Christian Wood, who has the physical tools to be a, a, at least a serviceable defender, but hasn't really had to apply himself that way yet. I think Tyson can absolutely coach those good traits into him. It just all comes down to the want, and that's something Tyson always had in spades. Yeah, and and you know what? There's no shame in being a six-man out there, man. There's been plenty of great players that have been six-man in the NBA, so there's yeah. nothing wrong with being a six-man. And like I said, he's going to get significant minutes. It's not like he's going to be a six-man again 22 minutes a game. He's going to get significant minutes, so I don't think this is a big deal or even it needs to be spoke on. And, you know, I, he probably, you know, in the very beginning, like, hey, why did I come over here? But then once you sit down with the coach and then they tell you the plan of what they really have a process of what they really want to do with you, then you're like, okay, hey, I'll roll with it. You know what I'm saying? And let's see yeah. how it rolls. So I think that, you know, that's a, a, a good thing, how it, it will come and how it eventually formulate. And as I said, um, you know, I just kind of want to see how it goes. And, uh, you know, I got a question from um, Steve Lumpton. He says, can the Mavs make another deep run in the playoffs? And I'm going to just say my two cents on it. I think it's going to be tough. If you want me to be honest, from my opinion, I think it's going to be tough because I feel like always second year after you have success, because a lot of people didn't think the Mavs were going to do that. And they did. Mm -hmm. So the second year of success is always tougher because now people are really going to keep their eyes on you because of what you did. And yeah. the success is always going to be tougher. And you didn't have the players you had in the playoff run last year. So mixing and maxing, and blending your new guys and making them formulate into the team that you were at trending last year, uh, formulating this year. So I think it's going to be a process. Me and you both talked about there's probably going to be a little bumpiness in the road early uh, mm -hmm. because they're going to be trying to figure each other out. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I'm not going to just jump out there and say, yeah, Mavs going to make another deep run to playoffs. I'm not going to sit there and say that. I'm going to yeah. kind of sit there and watch it and see how it formulates. Can they? Yes. But it will be tough. I'm going to say that. What's yeah. your thoughts? I think it's definitely going to be tough. But here's the thing, right? Like the Mavericks, even if even if you go back um, to the previous coaching staff and all of that, even if you go back to pre-Luka Doncic days, the Mavericks have been a team in the last decade that has started pretty much every year slow. Like it takes them a while to get going. And in bad seasons, they never really had a chance to dig out of a hole because they fell into too deep of one right in the first month of the season. You don't win a division or, you know, make a playoff run or something in the first month of the season, but you can damn sure play yourself pretty much out of that contention. Even with the Luka Doncic era, they've started slow for the most part. And, you know, last year, I think it was more just kind of health related. They all like we talked about earlier, the health and safety protocols uh, really was difficult for them. They struggled initially to adapt to Jason Kidd's defense and offensive schemes. I mean, the first week of the season, we were kind of like looking at each other. I, I literally wrote about it at one point. It was just like, man, I really hope they're on the like precipice of like breaking through in this because this is not good. Like they look like they don't know where they're supposed to be in, in these situations. Like they look broken in their spacing, their timing. Nothing looked like it was working well. 
And it did work out in a big way, but it took time. Now, year two of kid, that's not going to be quite the same story, but this team losing Jalen is losing arguably your second best player, uh, a major factor and piece of your team the past few years. Now you don't have him and you're going to have to kind of recalibrate. You have, as you said, new faces in there that you're going to have to figure out how to integrate. They did turn over a fair bit of this roster. They did not for once run it back with the same crew. That was something that drove me insane the past few years was how little like systemic change we saw in the roster and its composition. A lot better investments this time if they had kept brunson obviously if you had been able to do that in a way that didn't just completely break bank i would have felt better about it but i i think even though it's been a while and we've kind of cooled on it a little bit just because it's a little bit distant it happened so early the christian wood thing is massive it really is i'm not saying the christian wood thing beats golden state for you by any means but i am saying It is a substantial addition that gives you a dimension to your offense you have simply not had, let alone in that capacity. Now, the West, to Steve's point, is stupid deep, and Kawhi is back, which means the Clippers, who were already a playoff team last year, even without him, are suddenly a very real threat. They're back in the mix, and that's going to be something you're going to have to contend with. You have a lot of really good teams in the West. Golden State will probably take a small step back. I don't think they're going to drop off, but they did have to... Make a little they bit got of Wiseman in them back, though. Yep, that's true. So the West is vicious. And, and keep your wow. eye on them Pelicans, too. Yeah, I, I still got to see a full year of healthy Zion to really buy into right, that. Right. But, but them um, getting CJ McCullen, like I said, they try yeah. to make you feel what I'm saying. My thing I is like with the doing. whole West, they're all trying to continue to get better. And we've seen the West has been the tough out for like the last, let's say, 10 years. The West mm-hmm. has been a dogish type, you know, for you to get through the West, you got to be good. Yeah. Um, so that's why I said, you know, um, we really got to see that inside game to me. Uh, DDP has really got to click. So the the JaVel McGee's, the Maxi Christian Cleavers, Wood. the yeah. Christian Woods, the Dwight Powell's, they really got to show and prove on that inside because we really met, that's what the reason why they went and got Christian Wood, right? That's the reason mm-hmm. why they got to JaVel McGee because we were lacking on that inside and inside power, firepower in particular. Um, so uh, we're going to have to – Wood is going to really be counted on, dog. Like, he might yeah. be a six-man, but he's going to be a tough six-man. So mm-hmm. hopefully what goes by what you were saying, that he can really turn up and get that double-double. This is his opportunity to really shine, and he should really grab a hold of it. Oh, 100%. I mean, any of these teams in the West, other than Golden State, I think Dallas can go toe-to-toe in a seven-game series. I think they're capable of beating pretty much any of these teams other than maybe Golden State. The thing is, as you said, the West is a gauntlet. And to get through everybody, to fight everybody and get through it all, is no easy task. As much as we talk to, because it's the only thing we can point to, the 2011 Mavericks, the championship team, they dodged a bullet. Memphis bounced, eight-seeded Memphis bounced San Antonio, top-seeded San Antonio in the second round. That completely changed the complexion because suddenly you were getting the young, scrappy Thunder in the finals or in the West Finals, not having to contend with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, Mono Ginobili, you know, et cetera. Like that was a very, oh, was Kawhi there at that point? Kawhi might have still been a year off, or maybe he was a rookie. He wasn't quite Kawhi yet, but still. Point is, um, a very different 
look and not having to deal with San Antonio and LA and Miami and Portland that year was huge. You still went through a historic gauntlet, but you still dodged a serious bullet in the, in the, I think best record in the NBA in the Spurs, if I'm not mistaken. So always got to point that out. The Mavericks are capable of a deep run. Yes. I think they still need something. It's hard to put your finger on it, but we can use that into a smooth segue here. One of the things the Mavericks were talking about, they're not making a move before the season starts. It sounds like, but you never know. Uh, One thing they were expressing interest in was adding another three and D weapon. They wanted to add another guy that could help spell Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith a little bit so that they don't have to play 45 minutes a game apiece every single playoff game. That very clearly caught up to them by the time the Golden State series comes around because Golden State never stops moving. Curry, mm-hmm. in particular, never right. stops moving. Right. That That's agonizing to have to get that deep into a playoff run and then deal with that guy. Mm-hmm. So, yes, having, having another capable 3 and D weapon would be very good. An interesting guy seemingly is coming available for that. Jay Crowder, who the Mavericks drafted, has asked for a trade from Phoenix. Now, a couple things to consider here. Uh, Crowder was reportedly told that he would likely come off the bench this year, and that's what instigated him requesting the trade. I don't think he starts in Dallas if he gets here. He's not starting over Dorian, and I don't think he should start over Bullock. So that part doesn't change, but it could also just be like, a matter of where the kind of where the team is and what his role within the team would look like. And he had a rough postseason last year. I'll, I'll get into that. But if Crowder's coming available, uh, Sham says there are four teams that are potential suitors to keep an eye on. He lists Dallas, who has been after Crowder multiple times in the last few years, including last offseason. Crowder turned down Dallas in favor of Phoenix, uh, Miami. Boston and Memphis. And I've also heard mention of Milwaukee being in the mix. So there's definitely a market for Jake. He, he would be good in every one of those teams. Let's keep it real. He would be good yeah. in every one of those teams because of his skill set. His skill set can play he's been with, with all of them near. before. Right. He's been with seven teams except, already. Except Milwaukee. Yeah. You feel me? He's been with seven teams already. So his skill set, he so he's easily he's one of those guys, you know, DDP, where you see he's a journeyman, but if he comes to your team kind of like your boy. Um, that was with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he went to the Heat. He's kind of like him. What's his name? Milwaukee Bucks. You talking about Middleton? Uh, not Middleton. Um, BJ Tucker. Is oh, PJ Tucker? Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PJ Tucker. Tucker. He's yeah. like he reminds me of him, but a little better than Tucker offensively. Yeah. He reminds me of him. He can go to any squad, and he's gonna help your team instantly. That's yeah. what I feel like the Jay Crowder is. But I feel like, and specifically, he would definitely help Dallas. Because of his tenacity, I feel like Dallas needs that tenacity, that little kind of attitude. Remember when the Dallas yeah. went out and got uh, um, your boy from Sean's, the Heat? Oh, from the Heat? He was the forward, and they got rid of him. He was there for a little bit. He was supposed to be the enforcer. Uh, you talking about in the last couple of years? Last year he was Last like year. Uh, oh, yeah, the yeah, bubble yeah. year, the bubble year that we oh, got him. Bubble he, was, year. he was supposed to be the enforcer for a little. Talking about bit. dogs we, are coming. Talking about um. Holy he crap. came from the heat. He went, he went from here to Boston. 
and he was uh, like the he was the heat, and he and he was six eight six nine. I can't remember his name. It's right on the tip of my damn tongue. Somebody in the comments help me because this is so, somebody help us. It's like it's like it's like twenty twenty. I've already and blocked him out. <laughs> we, yeah, because he it, we had him like half the year, and then we got rid of him. And he was supposed to be like this enforcer, and it yeah. did not work out. Well, uh, there was so, him and James Johnson. Um, James is that's is, oh, is about James, James? Okay, I, I thought you were talking about. Is. I thought you were talking about the guard. Um, no, no, James Johnson. Richardson, yeah, that's the guy I was thinking of. I, yeah, okay. not Richardson, but remember James Johnson? He was supposed to yeah, be the yeah, enforcer yeah. on the inside. So I think Crowder. Not, I'm not saying Crowder feels that, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is Crowder brings it. Um, he brings. I don't know. He just brings some scrappiness. He like a he's Bruce Bowen. He's annoying. Him, he's he's annoying. You know what he, I'm saying? He like was absolutely going at Luca in that Phoenix you feel series. Me? He, he's going to annoy you. He's going to get under your skin. He's going to bother you. But he can hit big buckets. He can hit big threes. He can do mm-hmm. defense. He can pass the ball. He can get rebounds. That's what the else what the Mavericks need as well. But I like his attitude because when I look at Bullock and those guys, they they're good players, but they kind of chill. Crowder has more of an edge, and I think that's what the Mavericks need. And I, I like think, his edginess. Yeah, yeah I, I think of Bullock and Dorian Finney Smith. I think of them as tenacious. I think of Crowder also tenacious, but I think he I think he wants to get under your skin. I think Yeah, he he's wants, edgy. Yeah, he's he, getting he, under yeah. he's bothering he, you. He wants to pester you to the point yeah. where he's like, if I can make that's you take game. a swing at me, I'm winning. Mm-hmm. Like right. that, that's his mindset. And that's and, not Bullock and them. That's no. not him. That's not yeah. their they're so, intent, but they're in a different way. Yeah. So that's kind of the the notes I had on Crowder is like physical borderline enforcer uh at the forward position. He would absolutely help spell Dorian Finney Smith and Bullock in the postseason run, which would be great. A couple notes last season, he averaged 9.4 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 1.9 assists. His shooting from the field, not good 39.9%. 39%, yeah. 34.8% from three. His postseason numbers uh, are also interesting. Also, 9.4 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 40%. 40%. From the field. 30. So, you're saying we're like all equal. And all that free the same, throw percentage wasn't great either. Except for the three-point shooting. He then dropped from already like a, a pretty res- respectable, if not great, 34.8 to 30.2%. His big games against Dallas in that Western Conference semifinal were games four and five when he dropped 15 and 19 respectively. Right. Uh, the game he had 19, he was unconscious from three. He was one of the few things really working for Phoenix in that game. So... Yeah, it's it is a guy who his most recent production is kind of down, but it's also a guy who it's like okay, well if you can spoon feed him the kind of looks Luka Doncic spoon feeds all day, maybe you can bump that up. Most guys Luka plays with, even if they're just okay three point shooters, son of a bitch, um, they they have a bump like in their three point percentage playing with Luka. Examples of guys who really didn't. Um, I think you probably just have to look at like West Matthews, Harrison Barnes. They both had subtle bumps. Um, Porzingis didn't really get much of a bump in that respect. Richardson didn't really get much of a bump, but pretty much everybody that plays with Luca gets a, a, a raise or a rise in their three point shooting percentage because mm-hmm. he can set them up so well. Um, and, and the cases of Richardson and Porzingis that I mentioned, if you look at their, their shooting percentage, on wide open shots, which is a shot with six feet or more space between them and the defender. Both of them shot barely over 30% on those looks. That's the problem. It has nothing to do with like playing with Luca versus not. It's like 
okay, if you can't convert those shots, then you can't convert those shots. Like you're statistically, there's not another greater measure or anything like that, that we have to identify a cleaner look for you. If you can't hit those shots, you can't hit those shots. So I, I think Crowder could have a little bit of a bump, especially if he's, if he's willing to take a slightly lesser role. Again, he was starting for Phoenix was there when they made their march to the finals and then there last year if he was willing to to do that and that's a big if he should though he though should been, he should but even though he's he been should, here before DDP. i, I don't, don't know care. that he will he Just should based, though based on everything that it sounds like his, his mindset has kind of been lately nah. i don't know that he would but he needs to chill In sometimes you can have those veterans make that sacrifice sean marion willingly gave up a starting role in 2011 to Karan Butler and right. Marion was a multi-time all-star had accomplished more than Richards or uh, than Karan Butler had. And yet he made that sacrifice and now Butler got hurt and he ended up moving back into the lineup, but that wasn't until December, January ish. So, okay. Yeah. You, it's you, you've been in the league 10 years. Yeah. You've been on seven teams. Never won a I title. I don't think you can jump out there and say, I need to be starting on the next team I go to. No team is looking at you like that now, bro. You're 32 years old. You've been on seven teams in mm -hmm. 10 seasons. You are labeled a journeyman now. So if they give you a starting role, it probably won't be long because if they have anybody else, they're going to move you. You're going to be the first person to move out the lineup. I was now, just about maybe, to ask, like, of those suitors we talked about, how many of them would he start for? Maybe you know Memphis? Maybe. maybe. And that's not even going to be a long time. No. They're going to replace you quickly. Mm -hmm. Those are up-and-coming teams. They're going to replace you. The best bet is for you to figure a way to get to Dallas um, and just accept the role because you're going to get minutes. You're going to get ticked. And like you said, Luke is going to bring your three-point shooting out of you. He's going to be able to give you the rock. That those things are going to happen for you. You jumping on this starting role and want to be this starter in the league, that ain't your thing, my guy, any longer. Yeah. He's 32. And he should be willing 32. to take that slight You feel me? Back. Stop trying to be – that's your pride getting in your way right now and let that go. You only averaged nine points over at Utah. It wasn't like you was averaging 16, 7, and 8 yeah. over there. Right, right. But, yeah. Uh, that's that's a possibility again i don't think it likely happens but it is interesting because dallas has been interested in him in recent years uh he has been here before he does fit the role of what they want but you have to not just fit it in terms of on the court you have to fit it personality wise character wise and i don't know if he would be willing to take that role for dallas i also don't know how much they'd be willing to give up to go get him like truthfully like he would be a nice fit but he would be a we nice ain't spending a lot of money. Yeah, I, I, if Dallas made a no move, trade, I could no see money. it at the trade deadline. I don't think they're mm -hmm. going to make a move for him today. I don't think Hell they're going to make no. a move for him before the season. So mm -hmm. you have to evaluate the team and see where the team is at and yep. then say, OK, is he going to take us over the hump as far as what he can add to the team? Mm -hmm. But if you add him now, you don't even know what you have in your team right now. So that wouldn't even be smart to add him right now when you're still trying to figure out because you just added new pieces. He's not a major piece. He's a piece that you can add later on, like you said, at a, after the trade deadline, when you've seen where your team is at, after yep. you got to see a good 30, 40 games of your squad. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't put them in there now because you don't know what's going on. He doesn't know a role. It would just be a disaster, and it just feel like it would cause problems. So they would be smart and do it at midseason if they were to do it. I mean, at the trade deadline. For sure. Uh, last thing on the Mavs here, I'll answer this question for Easy e and then we'll move into Cowboys. Uh, he says, can someone explain McGee as the starter? 
basically all you need to know Dallas uh, in the void of the Porzingis trade they were destroyed scoring around the basket they had no rim protection basically every series they were happy to go in knowing they were going to get killed on rebounds they were going to get killed on points in the paint they had to figure out a way to strategically balance this with their with their plan of attack and how they swarmed and it, for the most part it worked they spun brilliance into that that went to the western conference finals but it was kind of held together by paper clips and bubble gum it was not a, a full-term roster building strategy they made do to the highest extent possible with what they had. And McGee shores up your defensive interior much better. You need defense. You were getting destroyed in scoring in the paint. McGee is still a quality rim protector, quality rebounder, an athletic freak that will give Luca as good, if not better, of a lob threat than he has uh, than he's had with Dwight Powell, which I know people say, like, well, Dwight Powell's not like in in terms of the percentile, Dwight Powell has always been um except for when he very first came back from the Achilles has pretty much always been in that top, like three to 4% um, of lob finishers. So you're going to get that with McGee with better rebounding with better interior defense. All of that will suit you better. Meanwhile, Christian Wood is a defensive liability from what we've seen in his career whether or not he can develop into a capable, competent defender remains to be seen. I feel like he's capable of it, but he has to do it. What he will excel at is coming off the bench, facing a lot of second unit guys and just murdering them because he's going to be able to come in and be suddenly a focal point when he's on the floor, when he first comes on the floor and he's still going to be getting heavy minutes. So you're going to be able to expose a lot of mismatches and let him do his thing, probably to a greater degree than if he was just an outright starter. So I think this is just fixing the interior defense and then bringing massive firepower off the bench when it is the most advantageous to you in terms of exposing mismatches. That's, that's why McGee is the starter and Wood is not. That's my take. And it makes more sense to me because I don't really want Christian Wood being the starting center. Um, he's more of the power forward. He's more versatile like that. And just like you said, JaVale McGee is the true center. He's the guy that's going to get you the rebounds. He's going to be the rim protector. We know that's what he is. When he's been with every team in the league, they picked him up for defense and rim protection, right? Yep. And lobs, rebounds. They didn't pick him up for no offense. That's not what he's going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. He's more of a rim protector than Christian Wood. We saw Christian Wood when he played with Houston and those other teams. He's not that defensive guy. He can make some defensive play because he has the athletic ability to be a good defensive player because he's long, athletic, and slide his feet. Can, uh, you know, box, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. he can, he, he's good on his second jump. When you watch him, when he gets rebound, he's good on his second jump. Yeah. So all those are good qualities to play defense, but that's not his known. But right. we know that's what JaVel McGee. So it makes more sense for you to do it that way and kind of kind of see how it feels. And like I said, I think they're going to mix and match how JaVel McGee and Dwight Powell, they're just going to kind of see how it flows with Luka and whatever is really kind of working, then they'll go with this. But, you know, in the beginning of the season, it's going to be a lot of early season trying to figure it out, and that's okay. I don't think Dallas fans, we should wig out if it's not early things clicking because mm -hmm. this is going to take a little bit of time to just to kind of figure it out and blend. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all right, let's 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 move into some Cowboys talk here. Let's do it. So Cowboys got themselves a, I was going to say nice win. Let's just say a win. A win. <laughs> a win. That was nice. That was no uh, nice A win. win. Nice. 
against mm-hmm. the Giants yeah. in the Meadowlands. Hey, 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 Giants were undefeated, sir. I'll have and you know. And they suck. And yeah, right. That was the most fraudulent two and zero ever in your life. You feel me? Yeah. And we know that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's specifically talk about the CD Lamb roller coaster because I feel like that game really encapsulated CD Lamb's professional career so far. Like you saw the the lowest lows. You saw some of the dazzling highs that make him such a a mystery of a player, a guy who the ability is there. I mean, he's already made a Pro Bowl. You see the ability that makes him potentially one of the best receivers in the league, but you also see the complete inconsistency as well. Like, And you know this. I'm a huge CD Lamb Lamb fan. OU guy. Mm -hmm. I've said before, he's probably one of my two or three favorite OU players of all time. Mm-hmm. Like I popped huge when uh when CD Lamb fell to Dallas and they actually took him because that was my fear was like he was falling and for some reason Dallas was gonna do something stupid. Right. I think they absolutely made the right move taking him, even though receiver wasn't necessarily what they were going in looking for at the time. Mm-hmm. But even still, he's been inconsistent. Like we've seen drops, which were not a problem for him in college. The drop he had in the first half hurt my soul. And in multiple ways, not just because it's like, ugh, dude, if not a touchdown, that should have been like a 40 something yard game. Like could not have been a better pass. Giants, you gashed him with a big run play and then immediately hit him. Got the single coverage like that should have been a walk in touchdown or at the very least, um, like I said, a 40 something yard gain and hits him right in the hands. Just takes his eye off the ball, drops it. He's smiling about it. He's he's frustrated. I know he is. But his body language is not good as it happens. He looks kind of aw shucks about it. And then they do manage to get a first down still to extend the drive. But it dies, I think, on the next set of downs. And the last play, a third down, is a tipped pass. But it's still a tipped pass that gets to CD's hands. And he drops it again. Now he's about to get walloped by the defender. But it's another drop. And he goes to the bench. And they don't see this. I don't think the broadcast ever showed him kind of uncomposed and losing his mind a little bit but we did see like reporters talking about it and saying like demarcus lawrence and michael parsons and some of these guys had to go and talk to him kind of calm him down and everything and he turns it around second half with a huge performance that fourth quarter in particular was that one drive really i say the fourth quarter really that one drive he went out and with cooper rush won the game that's awesome but it's kind of like, where's the consistency? Because if you're the guy, not just the number one receiver, but supposedly one of the best receivers in the league, at some point you got to like step up and find consistency, right? You have to actually do that. And I'm, and again, I'm saying this as a CD fan, you have to be able to do that. And I'm not convinced whether, I don't know if the problem is him versus somehow the Cowboys coaching staff, but something's not happening there and he's got to find a way to figure it out because he's capable of so much more than this. I just feel that he is. And it's frustrating watching right now as a fan. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. And, you know, we, we, we've talked about it. I, you know, coming from my perspective of, I think, you know, you know more about the CD lamb than me because you're an Oklahoma guy. I'm a Texas guy. And, and, you know, you, you're deep in that with, with the Sooners and you got to see him at a very close level. Um, I 
I think it's a, a combination of both uh, because I feel like the Cowboys, they just don't want main guys mm-hmm. unless they absolutely have to pay you. After, if they absolutely have to pay you, you have to be like the guy. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like the Cowboys thinking is if we're going to pay you, you have to be the absolute man. Right. Like Michael Parsons, he's going to get his money because he's the absolute man. Right. You feel me? If they have any doubt that you're not being the absolute man, they don't want to pay you. Yeah. And so that's what happens. That's what's going on. And I said, CD, I was making the tweets like, man, you're giving them ammo, bro. You're giving them ammo. This is what they're going to look at when they don't want to pay you that money. Mm-hmm. When they're going to sit there and look at your career. Like, and they were already talking about this with CD before the season. They're like, he's had a good career in Dallas, but it hasn't been what we thought. You know, right. him dropping to us. And we and thought, I, and I would was, agree. I, you know I what I mean? I think we all would agree. Yeah. If we're really being honest with ourselves, I think we will all agree that CD has been good, but for the way he dropped to Dallas, we thought he was going to be all world. And when he first came in, mm-hmm. it was trending, but then it kind of just, it flatlined. It's kind of just like tapered. It's kind of just like, is it the offensive scheme or is it CD? Because you wonder if he went somewhere else, would he go crazy? I feel you know like I mean? he would, but like, right. let, me, let me ask you this. Do you know when okay. his last 100-yard game was? Oh, wait. Mm-mm. Talk, talk to me, you know? Minnesota, at Minnesota last year when Amari Cooper had the game winner. He had wow. 112 yards. That's That was the game after New England. That's he had like to walk off. Games, right? Yeah, that was like midway. That was like the halfway point of the season last year. Um, he, had, he did it against... Uh, minnesota i looked it up life's crazy um yeah so 112 versus the vikings that was his last 100 yard game we've gone more than a half a season at this point basically closing in uh on that on like a full season since his last 100 yard game and that's why i said i do feel like to some extent it is the play calling and it is as we've said before kind of like the amari cooper thing like how do you not feature him more how do you not but here's the, the thing, ball. though. But here's if the... he makes that catch in the first half, it doesn't matter because he'll get his 100 yards. Like, that's where I say, like, it is partly on you, CD. It is on him. But here's the thing, because he's been targeted 10 times the week one, 10 times week two, and 12 times week three. So yep. it's not like he's not being targeted. Oh, we yeah. can't sit there and say he's not being targeted. So he is being targeted. He's one of the most targeted players on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's just the thing with him is – um, I think it's the maturity thing. I yeah. think when Amari Cooper was here last year, CD didn't have to worry about certain things because of, it was Amari, Amari, Amari. And it basically, it could it could hide things for you. You don't have to worry about certain things because all the focal point was Amari. Yeah. You know, now Amari's gone. Everybody's now CD. They don't care right. about no Noah Brown. They ain't talking about no Jalen Tolbert. It's CD Lamb. Everything that happens in this passing game now, it's about C.D. Lamb. No matter if they throw it to Jalen Tober, it's going to be C.D. Lamb. You get what I'm saying? And that 88 is even more blasted. But here's yeah. the thing, and I'm also going to say. That, that's a curse for him at this point. But you know 88. what? Let's let's not be – let's not look back and say we didn't see Des Bryant drop big big plays too. Sure. When and, we and, saw, Des, and Des didn't and really then like he come off back. with all the 100-yard games until like right. year three, year four. So. Right. So let's not act like – and and I'm not taking anything away from Dez. Dez was an absolute mm-hmm. monster. But let's not act like we didn't see games where Dez would drop an easy pass. We've yeah. seen that times with Dez when we would get mad. We're like, mm-hmm. why the hell did you just drop that an easy pass? And then he'll come back like CD did 
and make a crazy catch. And you're like, yes, that's what we're talking about. So I just think the mentality was different than with um, Dez. With yeah. CD, CD is a little bit just more chill. Just like CD that's is the vibe just, I get is CD. CD like, just chill. Yeah, and I he, think he'll enjoy burning you, but like he's not. He doesn't want to go like yeah, he's just chill. Rip your soul out or anything. Yeah, like, like he doesn't want to yeah, bury CD's you like Des would. Yeah, kind of. CD's just kind of chill. He's not like aggressive like Des was. Des was like mm-hmm. ultra aggressive, and even Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin was ultra aggressive. Even now, yeah. look at Michael. He screams on TV like he's gonna bust a freaking vein in his head. You yep. know what I'm saying? And yep. Des is still like that. CD is not that person. And I think that's where people are like, oh, he's not the 88. Because yeah. we're used to seeing certain the 88s recently and their attitude. And that's mm-hmm. why they're like, is CD an alpha dog? Because we remember Des and and Mike and Mike, they were alphas, but CD's yeah. all chill. He is he an alpha. And I think right. that's where they're getting that misconstrued is just because like with Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper is a dog, but Amari Cooper just wasn't showing you all that emotion like that. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in my opinion, DDP, maybe you can tell me CD just seems like he's just a little more chill. Doesn't mean he's not a dog, but yeah. I don't know if he's going to be a number one guy in Dallas because they don't really go to that. Yeah. I, I think that's, probably the case um i think his temperament as a number two i think he can be a fantastic number two receiver honestly i think the best thing for him especially in this system would have been if you had kept him in the slot i I think that's where he would have been the most devastating uh in terms of a weapon on your offense but i think when they drafted i they drafted him like you said they thought that they'd had a world beater like oh we can't believe this fell into our lap we're going to take every advantage of this and it's almost like, okay, this is what we drafted you to be. We moved on from Amari Cooper. You go show us that you are that if you want to get paid. And it's like, that's not a bad mindset unless you consider like, in the meantime, are you really trying to win? Is that really your top priority or are you just evaluating? Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like, if you wanted to win, you know CD is best in the slot. You know when he's your two or if like, you're running why does out of the slot, he's it. lethal. Like the stats last year when you had uh, him able to run that way were uh, uh, the last couple of years when you had him able to run out of the slot, he was incredibly effective. But then I know, I know Gallup obviously missed a lot of time last year, even before he uh, got injured at the end of the year against the Cardinals. He still dealt with, I think a calf injury earlier in the year that cost him more than a month. So yeah, there were issues there, but CD's production, if you use him as a mismatch and don't just say, Hey, go be, the guy go be the guy that can just beat any cornerback i think you're misusing him a little bit you're trying to say like we drafted you to be this go be this as opposed to actually looking at what you're the doing guy the same is. thing with that let's yes. just say that yes. you're doing the same thing instead with of Dak. looking at what the guy is exactly. and saying okay just, we're gonna work to your strength exactly. it's like no you're this, they're doing you're it with, be they're this. doing it with cooper rush though they're working in his strengths they know where he is and yeah. they're work. that's the problem and it's coming out of me already again because first of all, CD Lamb in the slot this year, he's got 54, he's been in the slot 54% of the time, then he's been out wide. He's been out wide 45% of the time. So he's still playing more in the slot right now. He had more times out of the slot in this last game than he's had all year. He was yeah. only in the slot 12 times, whereas he was out wide 19 times. So hmm. I don't know what they're you know trying to do with that. But just going back to what you just said, 
instead of them letting CD just be a player mm-hmm. and just be a good like just let him be a dog in his own way. They want to put a label on you. And I'm yeah. doing it with Dak. They're like, well, we paid you this $40 million. Now, go prove to us that you're the franchise guy. So let's mm-hmm. wing it, throw it every single time because you got to always let us know that you're the franchise guy. Right. CD Lamb, we got rid of Mari Cooper. You got to let us know that you're the number one guy before we thinking about paying you. What? Just let him play. Work yeah. to his strengths and just let him play because when you're putting that pressure on him, maybe that's why they might not be doing certain things because you're overdoing it instead of just letting them play. Yeah. If, if you want to ask Dak to go out and be like an Aaron Rodgers type, he's not going to be a, a great He's one. not that dude. But if you let him go out and be him, you let him go out and be Dak, he can be great and he can do everything you need him to do. Use their it's, damn run it's, game. It's, right. It's what you're pressing upon him to be is what you're trying to make him be that doesn't allow him to be his best version of himself same thing with cd i think here i think while i'm surprised he hasn't been able to take that step maybe again maybe it's system maybe it's play calling i don't know uh hasn't been able to take that next step into like a true number one receiver at this point i i thought he would be having a huge year already and so far honestly this giants fourth quarter where on that one drive him and Cooper Rush connected four times for 48 yards, including a pivotal fourth and four, which the Cowboys for once were smart to get their asses up to the line and immediately snap the ball. Yeah, because um, that didn't look like a first down. I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> and then he has the dazzling one-handed catch on the fade for the touchdown. That's that's great. You see those moments, that's awesome. But he's got to find that consistency. And if you want to be the number one guy, you got to have that consistency. And I would say if you're making, if you're going to force him into that role – he can be a good number one receiver. I don't think it, they're going to pay him. It, there's a long way to go, but right now my gut is saying the, the most are. recent sample is not strong. So if this is the prove it year, it's not off to a great start, um, especially for what he would fetch. So, yeah, I, I think this is a situation where he's got a lot to prove. I think the ability is still there. I don't, know that the there. Temper- I don't know that the temperament is right for like the the mon the mentality that you want for your number one receiver well, but i also know you that you thing. could be using him better to his skill set better to his like his style of play and getting the most out of him and you're choosing not to that's my problem with it here's the problem what i have though when he came into dallas right he was wearing number two and we loved him it was i was like mm-hmm. i was mad he changed it did he willfully change it, or no. was that Jerry Jones? That was and Jerry. when I hear people in the people saying he need to take off that eighty-eight, he need to do this, he need to do that. He's not the one that took the eighty-eight. That yeah. was Jerry doing that. Just like when ninety-four with Randy Gregory, Jerry gave him that because they're like, oh, we got Demarcus Ware part two. Here's the number, roll it. They're giving him the pressure. I was cool. I wanted him to keep the number two. I didn't want him yeah. to go to the eighty-eight. I specifically said. I don't want C.D. Lamb having number 88. I want to have him at number two because that's going to put unwanted pressure on his career and that he doesn't need to have. Just let C.D. Lamb be C.D. Lamb and not worry about the 88. That was Jerry Jones doing that. So we can throw Jerry Jones on that because he's the one that pressed the 88 on C.D. Lamb, not C.D. Lamb. And what's C.D. Lamb going to say? No to Jerry Jones as a rookie? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I know. And, you know, it's not, it's hardly the first time he's done that. He's done the same thing with 94. He's done the same thing. Um, like people don't talk about, what was it? Uh, Antonio Bryant. <laughs> you know, we don't talk about Antonio Bryant, that 88. 
And he tried um, to make him the 88 too. Yeah, he, he gave him 88 and Bryant ended up throwing a sweaty practice jersey in Bill Parcell's face and that was that. But uh, yeah, it's it doesn't always work. The experiment doesn't always work out. And it's one of the worst bits Jerry does where he tries to anoint guys because it's like you're making it's a marketing thing. It really is like he's selling the fan base on this draft pick like, oh, he's the next great one. You liked Michael Irvin. Well, here's the next one. Des Bryant. Right. Now, Des right. panned out. Des and, lived and, up to the 88. Right. But you, know, you love Des Bryant. All right. Here's CeeDee Lamb. Here's like, our new one. It's always, yeah, it's DJ Khaled. Another one. Like, that's yep. just the entire yep. mentality is just yep. to push the marketing of it. Because if, if CD came out as number two, Jerry Jones looks at that and he says, there's no historic number two on this in this franchise exactly. or we anywhere. Like, well, we're going to talk about that every day when we he doesn't, have the meetings. And it, we're it's, at, go ahead. it's identity crisis. He doesn't let mm-hmm. anybody be what they are, not mm-hmm. not the best players. He wants to try and make them and market them as the previous greats that came before them. I'm surprised he hasn't forced number eight on somebody for Troy. I'm, I'm really Troy surprised. Troy ain't having that. And because hey, Troy... Cause Troy ain't having yeah. it, and I feel like I know, but I just feel like Troy, and cause Troy, Troy just to me don't be up with the BS with Jerry Jones, and I feel like that's why they don't have that great relationship. Cause Troy don't be for the do the BS. I mean, let's just keep it real. This is my perspective. The reason why Michael wrote, Michael Irvin is just so cool with with Jerry Jones. You know why? Because he kisses the ring. Well, yeah, Michael Irvin also wasn't the first eighty-eight. That was. Pearson. right but michael irvin kisses the ring so that's why yeah. it's always good and glamorous you know yeah. what i'm saying if you're as long as you're kissing the ring with jerry you're gonna be in there you're gonna have your arm around he's gonna take care of you as long as you kiss the ring mm-hmm. Aikman don't kiss the ring bro yeah N- nor nor does uh emmett right they don't kiss the ring so that's why you don't see them out there with jerry all the time they don't yeah. kiss that ring because they know what it really was they were in it and when you saw Troy, when he was getting ready to retire, he said, I didn't like how they were doing things. I didn't like how it was going. And I don't like how they were playing it. So I wasn't going out like that. And I didn't like how Jerry wasn't really trying to win. It was just about the market. Troy Eggman said that. Yeah. And he said, 100%. I wasn't doing that. I'm out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, Carlos Holloway says, Troy would probably be heated if Jerry gave someone number eight. True. Right, and Troy, I, it also would, occurs to me. He would go off. 22 was never given to anyone. I just always assumed they that would was, not do that because they I, didn't have that great relationship with them and they ain't having that dog. They would beef with him. Yeah. And I also assumed it's because Emmett's the all time career rushing leader. And so yeah, that's like, if there's a number you don't give out, it's that one. Exactly. True story. But, yeah. All right. Yeah. So CD lamb, uh, leads to be seen. Need to need to see it. But I will say this as a huge OU guy, huge CD lamb guy. I'm disappointed so far. I, I had higher expectations. Doesn't mean he's incapable of reaching them. As you said, it took Des Bryant some time too to really ascend to but that we next knew level. Des. But I I'm concerned whether it's the the style of the offense or CD's own focus and just really aggression or lack of aggression that's preventing him from hitting that next level. So I don't know. We'll see. But right now, right. it's it's a, a roller coaster. It's ups, it's downs, it's bad, bad drops with dazzling catches. I just want to find some consistency. Just show me, show me a little bit of what made you one of the best receivers in the country at Oklahoma, and I'm down. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I just feel like, yeah, this is. I feel like this is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, let's uh, let's jump ahead a little bit here um, into a, a last segment here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Micah Parsons. Didn't get a sack. Didn't get a sack against the Giants, but his pressure rate was still phenomenal. Absolutely steamrolling guys getting after Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones under pressure more in that game um, the other night than he was than he's been in his career. I think that when they put up the stat, he was pressured 21 times. And I swear we had like another four drives from the Giants after that. So I don't know what the number ended up being, but he was running for his life the entire game. To be fair, he did run for several first downs. I think he had like four or five first downs he ran for, but that was uh, largely out of necessity. The Cowboys were on his ass. Micah Parsons was blowing through two dudes, knocking them down, getting to getting to Jones and driving him to the ground. Absolutely love that. And considering he was sick all week, that is phenomenal. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the dude is an absolute freak of nature. The combination of power and speed that he has is otherworldly and kind of understandably. So again, they're playing the Giants, So it makes sense that this comparison would resurface. People are kind of asking like, is he kind of the next Lawrence Taylor? Not the same in terms of size necessarily. Like Taylor was a, a bigger guy. Um, then, then Micah, I think Mike, Micah's what, like 235, 240, something like, like that. Two, he's like 240, 240 for Micah ain't no little dude. Micah's no, I'm not, say, I'm not saying he's little. I'm just yeah. saying like compared to Taylor, Taylor was like 265, I want to say. Um, but anyway, point being, um, the dominance and the just total control that he can enforce on any game. He is an absolute game wrecker and doesn't matter what you try to do he can absolutely blow up a game plan for you. And that that's what's proven to be the case. Now, after the game, Lawrence Taylor talking about like, yeah, you know, he's off to a great start. Let's see him do it for 13 years. I get that. I do. <laughs> like, I also look at it and say like, that's my, the eye test tells me not to, to question or put any doubt at all on like what Michael Parsons is capable of. Cause I've yet to see something he can't really do. But at the same time, I, I do have to remind myself sometimes like, all right, he's played like just over a year. Like he he missed what one game last year. So he's played basically in okay, 17 games. So compared to until last year, prior to last year, he's basically played one year in like three games. Okay. That doesn't mean um that that's that's still a small sample size, is what I'm saying. But the dominance, the ability it's undeniable and yet as we were having the conversation this past show talking about like if we put him already as the best defensive player in the nfl or if we say he's in the conversation versus whatever the biggest knock that seems to kind of come against him is the the fact he hasn't been doing it that long like longevity does factor into perception but i think in terms of the the start to his career he's having you really can't ask for anything better. He had what 17 sacks through his first 20 or sorry, 17 sacks through his first 18 career games. That's the fastest, like the greatest rate that we've seen in NFL history. That says something that, that says like, even if you want to do a head to head comparison between him and Taylor right now, he's slightly ahead. That's impressive. It It's going to factor into like, when you talk about like an all time great versus the the new 
and now I'm in total darkness. The new hot thing, it's like, okay, longevity matters, and we're going to have to see that in the in the long term. But in terms of just the actual ability, the, the actual physical ability and potential, I absolutely 100% think he is in that Lawrence Taylor caliber of, of player. I think he can even be better, potentially. And that's saying a tremendous amount, but there's a lot of conditionals with that health, obviously always being the first one that I point to. Um, and longevity is, is the next thing he's got, like Taylor said, you gotta be able to do it for a decade plus to, to really do that. But as far as belonging in terms of his, his ceiling of what we're seeing absolutely belongs in that category unequivocally. Yeah. I mean, he does. I mean, Lawrence Taylor, I mean, he's got to respect it because, I mean, I'm sure when Lawrence Taylor came in the league, I watched Lawrence Taylor. I watched him from his rookie year all the way till he retired. So I watched. That's why when I said the comparison to Lawrence Taylor, when I first seen Michael Parsons, I felt like I was allowed to say that in my opinion because I watched Lawrence Taylor. I watched a lot of these old players a lot of these people didn't watch. You feel what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I can make the comparison. And Lawrence Taylor, when he came in the league, he was 237 pounds. At his highest, he was 250. That's one more he was uh, got injured and he was more strictly a pass rusher. So Michael was actually bigger than him his first five, six years. Mm -hmm. Lawrence Taylor stayed around that 240 range. You get okay. what I'm saying? But so when you look at the 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 between both of the players, uh -huh. Michael Parsons has 19 pressures in three games, six hits on the quarterbacks, nine hurries, four sacks. You feel me? Five stops, 19 pressures. So he's averaging like about six pressures a game on the quarterback. And if you've seen that Giants game, it wasn't like he was not getting to the quarterback. He right. was right there. Like he yeah. was right there to get the sack. And the only reason why Daniel Jones, only reason why Michael Parsons didn't get a sack is because Daniel Jones is an athletic quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why Michael Parsons didn't get a sack. Because if you watch the all 22, he had at least three to four plays where his hand was right there on Daniel Jones. And yeah. Daniel Jones ran, ran up the middle and got a long run. Cause Daniel Jones ran for 70, almost 80 yards in that game. And the reason why he ran for 80 yards, is because he was getting rent. He was getting chased for his life by everybody it was michael parsons it was Dorrance yep. armstrong jr it was fowler it was uh demarcus lawrence Marcus lawrence three sacks was you huge. feel me they were all after him so it was really him being able to escape the pocket is the reason why michael parsons did get a sack but he yeah. was still in that backfield even being sick so we just got a different type of player we have a generational type player he is one of the best if not the best defensive player in the game right now and the crazy mm -hmm. thing is he still plays more linebacker. You feel me? He's still playing more linebacker. And really, his most dominant position is rushing the quarterback. But since he's so damn versatile, you don't want to keep him strictly on the line so yeah. you can get a beat on him. I feel like that's why they keep him at linebacker. But he's probably the better pass rusher. You feel oh, me? Yeah, absolutely. But you, gotta, you don't want nobody to uh, chip him move the tight end over, slide protection, you know where he's at. So I feel like that's the only reason why they keep him at linebacker, DDP. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no doubt. Like, he he's a good linebacker. I think he is a phenomenal a, a pass Phenomenal. Rusher. Phenomenal. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a strong enough word. Yeah, as a he's pass rusher. He's an out, outworldly pass like rusher. He, he is, get, he a, is the golden standard. Guy. Yeah. He is the golden standard of, of pass rushers, for sure. Yes. He's the gold um, standard. Yeah. So, 
It's uh it's an interesting discussion. I, I think this guy is the limit for him, health permitting. I think he is absolutely from a physical standpoint capable of not just a hall of fame career but a multi-championship career and if dallas is smart they will actually build around this man and they won't mess with the idea of like trying to lowball him or anything like that on any kind of That's contract i don't think they'll lowball him but you know how they do they always try they to like, like they'll try. find points to try and say against no them fans like, gonna turn oh, on you mike so i just want to let you know that there's only so you know much that. pie we can only give up so much and if we, mm-hmm. we give this gonna, to you then how are we going to build Jones, around he yeah gonna, yeah, he gonna say yeah, yeah. Jones, we already know he's going to say that that's why i said cowboys win a super bowl before michael parsons contract is up because you're going to be crying about paying him i said that about Diggs too but when i talk about cd lambs trevin Diggs, and michael parsons as yeah. that young uh group of the mm-hmm. echelon that's going to get paid i only see parsons getting paid because i feel like they're going to play Diggs. Diggs yeah. going to have to be phenomenal to mm-hmm. get his contract. CeeDee Lamb going to have to be phenomenal to get their contracts. Michael yep. Parsons is phenomenal. That's why he's getting his contract. Those other guys aren't phenomenal. They're really good. You yeah. get what I'm saying? I'm not knocking Trevin Diggs because I he is a dog. But they're looking at phenomenal for them mm-hmm. to pay you. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. So we'll see what they end up doing. Um, Cowboys, though, move to 2-1. and one. Who do they got next week? Who Washington got? Commanders. That's right. Yeah, Washington. Yeah, so Cooper Rush probably got one more game here before Dak is back. We'll Stitches, see about that. Well, stitches are out, but I was mm-hmm. reading something about he still has some swelling in the hand maybe. Mm. Um, so I I, I don't like know. He's rushing. <laughs> and I don't feel like he should, especially now. Like, you've already won like, two games with Rush. You're already going to have to probably miss this game. Maybe. That pressure, dog, of at, at worst, Rush he, is winning. Right, but at worst, you're talking about two and two. Mm-hmm. I would rather Dak get the extra week and get the hand right. But again, he didn't learn from last year. He rushed back after the calf, and he was never right again. By his own admission, he was never right again. So why rush now from the hand when at worst you're two and two? There's no need. That That's my take, but we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing, but that's all i got for this uh if other footnotes jason peters made his cowboys debut him and tyler smith absolutely wrecked shot sprung the cowboys run game which opened up cooper rush to be a bad bad man in play action i'll give him credit for that cooper rush in play action passes was blazer sharp and uh would have been i can try to remember that cd drop if that was play action might not i think it was play i thought it was that, that might have been was play. Yeah. It was a great play how to set it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So absolutely. Um the the benefit of Peters at left guard and Tyler Smith showing out big. I, I love what I've seen from him so far. I, I was on the fence about him for a long time through three games. I'm kind of like, all right, I'm buying in. Like I see it. I see not just the immediate, but the long term picture of what you're looking at. This is your heir apparent to Tyson or Tyson uh, to Tyron Smith and uh, you've got a good one here. So first round, first round uh, lineman, they know how to pick them. Yeah, they definitely uh, got the, the eye for the lineman. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you. All, all the offensive linemen, I didn't know nothing about Tyler Smith like that. Um, and, you know, I was hearing the, you know, in the, in the rumblings, the only thing I was questioning was cause he played at Tulsa, mm. um, you know, what the competition, um, you know, that's the only thing I was worried about. Um, but I wasn't like 
oh, why did they pick him? I knew they were going to get an offensive lineman. It was just a guy I didn't know. That's the only reason why I was just like, I don't know who he is. Let me yeah. find out about him. Um, but once I talked to like the OC and some other people and then kind of watched the tape, I was like, well, he ain't bad. He just got to learn technique on certain things. And, hey, he is honestly going to be probably one of the next great left tackles out there, man. That's why I don't want them to move him because he's already doing really good. Um, you talk about the growing pains. He's having growing pains, but he's not having major growing pains. You don't look at him like, oh, we need to help him. We need to help him. Yeah. You don't look at that with him. And, um, I mean, it's just really exciting what he can do. Jason Peters, you know, he's still got to get his legs up underneath him. Connor McGovern will be coming back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to want to see how they do with that dynamic because I felt like Connor McGovern, uh, I don't care what they say about him. I still think he's a good young player. Um, he In those first few snaps of that that uh, first game, yeah. um, he, was, he was doing well. And, uh, you know, I feel like I would like to see him. I would like to see Jason Peters just come in if necessary let's yeah. put Connor mcgovern in there let's see how it rolls because even with fair not playing bad dallas still had 176 yards and in the in the in in these three weeks dallas is averaging over 100 yards rushing so mm -hmm. even in that tampa bay game when they had fair okay zika elliott had 10 carries for 50 yards he was averaging five yards a carry they have been running the ball every single game they have been able to run the ball so yeah. That's what you got to look at when people are like, oh, replace this person, replace that person. Man, it's okay. Use Jason Peters. He's 40 years old. I don't really want him starting. Use him as the, the your backup. Reserve, yeah, yeah yep. you, you don't need to start him because what if what, what if he goes down? Then you're screwed, right? Yeah. Go with the young guys. Keep your old guy and keep him as the reserve because it's a long season, right? 17 games. We don't want him playing 17 damn games. I don't want a 40-year-old no. playing 17 damn games. No. Right? So – Let's do it that way and uh, like slow cooking as far as the commanders. Um, you know, I don't want Dallas to get, you know, oh, well, the Eagles got nine sacks scores on the storm. Let's not keep that mindset. Yes, they got 13 sacks in the league. Okay. Don't have the mindset of that because then you can get complacent. You can get complacent and then little things happen. Carson Wentz can go crazy because you got yeah. complacent because you think, well, the Eagles did it. We're going to do it too. Make sure you just go hard. Understand that biggest thing that i like with the uh commanders is uh -huh. they don't run the ball okay yeah. uh, the they one don't the run worst. the ball and they they are very susceptible to a, a good pass rush which i think dallas has in spades so that's that's my confidence factor for the cowboys is they should be able to get after Wentz in that offense yeah they definitely should um and i feel like this is a game that Dallas is going to win regardless of Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott because they're just the better team. Yeah. Um, so and I think that's going to show through. And my, my thing is when they bottled up Gibson, make them one-dimensional, make Carson Wentz have to throw the ball everywhere. Um, he's throwing the ball at a crazy rate. I think he had like 42 attempts last game, 40 attempts the week before. So they're putting the ball on him because, hey, we got a quarterback. So let's just throw the ball. They're averaging 287 yards passing, only average 86 yards on the ground. That's good for 24th. You feel me? So yeah. let's make them one-dimensional. Dallas will win it. I, I feel it. All right. That pretty much wraps up our time. We ran a long show today. But I feel like it was a good one. It was definitely yeah. a good one. Good one for sure. It'll be interesting once we get uh, both seasons rolling simultaneously. We'll have a lot of good stuff to dig into. Mavericks helped I'm us. I'm ready this for week. that dynamic. With, I'm ready yeah. for that dynamic. 
Yeah, Mavericks helped us this week with Media Day, at least giving us some interesting new discussions and topics. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to when both teams are running and we can pivot from a Cowboys game right into like, and the Mavericks played last night. Let's talk right, about that. right, right, right. Yeah, that'll yeah, be nice. that's, yeah. that's going to be nice. I'm going to be excited for that because I I want to be able to do the simultaneous thing. So I'm excited when that basketball season starts because I think it's going to be good and make sure y'all keep on tuning in. Like we always been telling y'all, keep on tuning in. You know how we're rocking it. The NBA season is right around the corner, as we said. And, uh, you know, like me and DDP said, jump on this, man, because it's going to be a really cool dynamic when we can talk about the NFL game and then still be able to talk about a Mavericks game in detail on both sides. So mm -hmm. I don't think that a lot of people are doing that out there in these streets right now, especially in the community. They're not uh, cross crossing the NBA and NFL at the same time. It's a lot is usually one sport at one time. So I think we're doing something that nobody's really doing out there. And if you see it out there, you know what it is. OK, I ain't gonna, I'm going to leave that alone. But check this out. Love it support it go tell your people out there because especially if you're a dallas mavericks fan i think you're really going to like it and make sure you tune in because we're going to give you some good stuff man that'll do it for the show guys tune in next week check out the show on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts till next time peace peace